Welcome back to Mavs Outsider Podcasts with your host Dustin, my post-game pod for the Mavs win, I was going to say the squeaked out win against the Los Angeles Clippers in the game five. Um, this game uh, had its ups and downs, obviously, it seems like every Mavs game does, but uh, we'll get into that right now. Um, starting off with the first quarter, uh, the first quarter was definitely controlled by, uh, Luca. His, uh, scoring, I believe he had 19 in the first quarter, was incredible. He pretty much couldn't miss. Um, they had a, uh, not like a huge lead, but they did have the lead after the first quarter again. I, um, you know, it's funny, they... They finally lost one, I believe, in Game 3. Uh, they lost a game after leading in the first quarter. I believe that was the the first and only game so far this year that they've lost. And it was funny because in that Game 3, they got off to such a huge start. And I believe they got about like 19, something just ridiculous. And they to lose that lead and then lose the game kind of showed how much they were outplayed from the second half of the first quarter of game three and in game four. So going into game five, you know, on the road again, uh, it, it was, I was curious to see how they would respond to just terrible playing in, you know, seven and a half quarters. Um, so, you know, the game four was just atrocious. Like I said, I didn't even finish that game. So, you know, coming out, you know, the way Luca was hitting his shots, you know, it was, I, I was excited, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I wanted to see some of the other guys shooting the ball to see how well they would hit. And uh, so as the game went on, it seemed as though Luca was the only one that was hitting really his shots as far as three-pointers. You know, Tim Hardaway was three for ten. He's the guy that really has to be going for this team to be successful because ultimately he's going to get a lot of open looks. I mean, that's his game is wide open threes. You know, obviously Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi are guys who are going to shoot threes just based on being open and they did decent. You know, Dorian was two for six and Maxi was one for three. But, uh, you know, ultimately, it seems like this team, their wins and losses are indicative of how well Tim Hardaway plays. And I just, I hate it that it's that way because you really should be, you really should be getting more from your second, in, in theory, second best player, who's your highest paid player but not really your second best player. Now, the first problem I had with this game in general, even though Mavs did win, I did have a problem with it. I, I know Boban is a fan favorite. I know people love Boban, but I just don't think this Boban in the starting lineup is effective. I, I just don't think it is. Um, he was a minus nine. Um, the first quarter, had it not been for the first quarter, his plus minus would have been atrocious because, you know, Luca hitting all those three pointers in the first quarter basically raised his plus minus to, you know, pretty high. 
to a point to where he had to come in and have very large minus to make it be a minus nine. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, Dallas was doing in games one and two is they they weren't playing small and they weren't playing big. Obviously, Maxie's a big in theory. You know, he's 6'10", but he's not Boban big. And Porzingis is 7'2", so you could play him at the 5. And one of the things they were doing in games 1 and 2 is switching a lot on getting Zubas to cover Luka to basically get him out of the game and then go small. And then, you know, the Clippers would go small, and they were more effective that way. Obviously, offensively and defensively, because you don't really have to defend Porzingis with a big, you can defend Porzingis with Kawhi, you can defend him with Batum, heck, you could defend him with Reggie Jackson, and he's probably not going to hurt you. And so, when the Clippers in games three and four were pretty much going small, it, you know, Dallas, yes, they lost those games, but I don't think it's because the Clippers went small, it's because their shooting was atrocious. You know, they shot 16% from three pointer, not because they were the clippers were playing small it's because they were they're not a great shooting team you know they all year they've just been average to below average three point shooting team in games 1 and 2 they were shooting over 50% and it was kind of an anomaly and so in games 3 and 4 the percentage dropped to where you know it really is except you know game 3's shooting percentage was up a little higher i just I think a lot of that had to do with how they performed in the first quarter, and then they pretty much kind of played terrible after that. But game four, they shot 16% from three. And so I, I don't think this going small or going big is what's going to win them this game. I don't, I don't think putting Boban in, I don't think Boban fits. Boban, Boban had a shot blocked by Batum. You you can't be 7-3 and get your shot blocked and then expect to be effective. Now, I get it. He had nine points but and seven rebounds, but Zubats did what he wanted against Boban. Boban didn't provide anything that another player couldn't have done, but I, for whatever reason, he just... He was out there for 20 minutes, and I thought that was 20 wasted minutes. I thought Kali Stein played better than Boban. And Kali Stein played five minutes. Kali Stein should have had those minutes. Kali Stein was playing really good against the Clippers. And like I said, since the Mavs lost games three and four at home because their shooting wasn't what it was in games one and two, we kind of made a poor coaching decision. I, I don't get that. I thought I thought Boban starting this game was the poorest coaching decision I'd ever seen. Um, I, I, there were, I don't know what analytics they're looking at to show that this is better. But to me, Boban shouldn't even see the floor. I'm sorry. He, he should not even see the floor. Dwight Powell came in and basically saved them. You know, the same Dwight Powell who could not even compete in an NBA game his first week of the season came in and saved Dallas. He was a plus 10. He played 21 minutes. You know, Powell probably should be playing 30. And Kali Stein should be playing 15. Those 20 minutes Boban had should go to Powell and Stein. Kali Stein. It should not be. 
it should not Boban should not be out there. And I just watching it, you know, when the Mavs were up by ten, they put Boban in the game. It was in the fourth, and I, I told my wife, I said, watch. The Mavs will lose their lead the minute Boban comes in. I believe they lost. They went down six, or they not went down, but they Clippers got it to four immediately. You know, Boban got it blocked, and then he got dunked on. And it's just like, and then they pulled him out, and all of a sudden Dwight Powell's in to save the day. And it's like, why is Boban in the game? Boban doesn't need to play. And I wish there was a way I could ask the coaches <laughs> – you know, because I'm not in the media. You know, it's like, like I said, the, the name I have, uh, you know, is the Mavs Outsider for a reason because I'm not in the locker rooms. I'm not in the media. And I'd love to be able to ask, you know, hey, what are you seeing that makes you think that Boban can compete in this series? And I, I just don't, I don't see it. So hopefully going into game six, We'll go back to that starting lineup. But, you know, at the end of the season, the end of the season for the Mavericks got them to where they were in that fifth spot. Um, you know, they went on that run where they only lost to the Kings. And then they ended up losing to Memphis and Minnesota. But prior to that, you know, they were rolling out the lineup with Dwight Powell. And I, I think with it was Luka, Tim Hardaway, Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Porzingis. And they were killing people. You know, the pick and roll with Powell, the way Powell rolls to the rim, and he gets those layups, it just works. Now, you know, Powell does struggle on defense. You know, he had five fouls. I, I get it. I know he does. That's his biggest struggle. But in those cases where he gets in uh, foul trouble, you put in Colley Stein. You know, Colley Stein only had two fouls. You know, I, I just... Dwight Powell and Willie Colley Stein need more minutes and Boban needs none. And I'm sorry I've been I'm on that same rant. And I know it's after a Mavs win, but it was just so frustrating for me to watch a guy out there hurt your team and just continue to be out there. And it, it it gets a little annoying when they try and force passes to him. Because you know, when Boban Boban can't jump, and so when a pass is thrown to him, yeah, they throw it high, but you know, Batum's a small, a tall guy. Nicholas Batum was out there denying those passes to Boban because Batum himself is like 6'9", 6'10". He's got long arms. He had no problem because Boban can't jump. Batum can. So I, I just I just get frustrated with that, and I, that's my one rant for the game. So I'll move on to uh, one other thing. And the big topic was Porzingis. Now, Porzingis only had eight points and six rebounds. Two of those were offensive, which is great. Uh, but I know there's a lot of complaint going on about Porzingis. And I get it. I'm kind of on board with it. I don't, you know, but I'm on board with it to a, to a point because I the, way I the way I can see them out there what they want to do on offense is they they want Luca to have the ball at basically the top of the three-point line. They want him to dribble, and they want the other four guys standing on the three-point line just around it. And that's what they want. That's the Houston Rockets, the you know past couple years Milwaukee Bucks offense. 
you know, Hard, James Harden has the ball. The other four guys are standing around. You know, that's why that's why Houston traded Capella, because Capella couldn't shoot threes. It was a stupid trade because, you know, like I said, that offense doesn't work. I've said it over and over. But, you know, Milwaukee, the past few years, the past few years, they've done the same thing. They put Giannis at the top of the three-point line. They put four guys around the rim, you know, Brooke Lopez being one of them. And they say, okay, guys, Giannis is going to do something with the ball. Be ready to shoot. And that sounds great. And in the regular season, you can win a bunch of games. But when the playoffs come along, play, the playoffs are different. You know, there's more scouting that's done. There's more game planning that's done. And that that offense just does not work. It's yet to work. It's not worked ever. It's Yes, Houston got to the Western Conference Finals, I believe. And I brought this up. They've got to the Western Conference Finals. Chris Paul got hurt. Chris Paul was the one guy who could do something different or allowed... Chris Paul allowed Houston to do something different to where they weren't relying on so much of James Harden and four guys standing at the three-point line. And that was Houston's probably best year as well. And obviously Chris Paul was out. Houston missed all their shots, and they lost the series. You know, the last few years, you know, like with Giannis, you know, their guys are missing the shots. Then what do you do? There's no other – there's nothing else to do. That's your offense. And, you know, this year with Drew Holiday, they run a different offense. They don't have, you know, Giannis and four guys standing around. Drew Holiday does a lot of ball handling. And I feel like Middleton does more than he used to. So I, I just I, – Dallas's offense they run basically has Porzingis standing in the corner. And I think that a lot of the fault has to uh, fall on the coaches for that. I don't know why they think this is the best offense to run, and it, it, it sounds great. And the you know I, I think LeBron in 07, I think I've talked about it before, but LeBron in 07, this is what they did. LeBron had the ball, and four guys just stood around and waited for him to do something. Now, the three-point shooting back in 07 wasn't like it is today. I believe they had like Ilgoskis on the team, maybe Vergeau. Those guys didn't shoot threes, but... They were still standing around waiting for LeBron to do something. And then LeBron would do something, pass the ball to if someone were open, if he were double teamed, and then, you know, they would go on to the next play. And that, that's just the offense they ran. And they made it to the finals. And, you know, some people were comparing, you know, listening to other people talk about this game last night. They were comparing, you know, this game to the Eastern Conference Finals game back in 07 between Detroit and the Clippers, or Detroit Clippers, Detroit and the Cavs. Now, you know, a lot of when you compare the games, people say, oh, that was the Easter Conference Finals. This is the first round. I get it. But back then, the East, you know, for those of you who may not know or remember, but in 07, the Eastern Conference was awful. They were just, it was just atrocious. You know, that Detroit team that Cleveland beat was. Uh, three years removed from winning the title. You know, Ben Wallace wasn't on that team anymore. You know, Billups was old. Rasheed Wallace was old. I don't even know if Rasheed Wallace was on the team. I'm pretty sure he was, but they just weren't the same team anymore. They they had all gotten older. You know, their big draft pick was Darko, and Darko couldn't see the floor. So they never really improved their team. So Detroit was on the decline. And 
the Heat, I believe, had traded Shaq halfway through the year, or they were they were just a bad team that year. You know, they had won the finals in 06, and their 07 season was not that good. I, I believe Shaq was kind of not the same guy, and I believe he was traded halfway through. I, I can't quite remember, but I know the Heat weren't anywhere near as good. The Celtics were trying to have the worst record in the league. Celtics were awful. They weren't even in the conversation. And so the Eastern Conference was nowhere that year. You know, they they had nobody. And so this this year's Clippers team would absolutely decimate that 07 Eastern Conference Finals teams of the Cavs and the Pistons. I I just think even the Clippers team would just kill, you know, the Spurs swept that Cavs team. Cavs had no chance. The Western Conference was so much better back then because you had, you know, Garnett with Minnesota. You had Duncan with the Spurs. You had Dirk with the Mavs. You had um, Nash with Phoenix. And it just, they were just, the West was so much better. And we all knew that the winner of the finals that year was going to be a Western Conference team, Kobe with the Lakers, you know. And it's like that those 07 Eastern Conference teams were terrible. So you can't, I believe you can't compare what Luka did yesterday to what LeBron did in 07. Now, one of the differences is LeBron finished with 25 points or whatever, whereas Luka started. Now, most people only remember what you do at the end and not so much what you do at the beginning, which is fair. Luca's ending to that game was really bad. He took some ill-advised shots, if you ask me. Those step-back threes, when they're not necessary, get a little frustrating because Luca does have the Luca can get to the rim pretty much when he wants to, and when he settles for those step-backs, it, it is a bit frustrating, especially when they really needed some buckets. Um, I hope that's something they tell him. Um, he only had three free throws. He made two of them. Uh, at least he shot a better percentage. But I'm hoping going into game six, I, it would be nice if the coaches could figure out a way to get Porzingis involved. And I know that my little rant about the Eastern Conference Finals in 07 was based on how the coaches are playing Porzingis, but... Uh, I just, I just feel like Porzingis is at some fault, yes. I, I do think he needs to move around better. But at the same time, you know, with he's not going to get a lot of defensive rebounds because with the Clippers going small, he's most likely going to be guarding Nicholas Batum because Batum's not going to really do anything except, you know, hang out on the three-point line. He's not going to, you know, sometimes he did get moved on, switched on to George or switched on to Leonard or whatever, but they Porzingis is playing the perimeter right now on defense, so he's not going to get a lot of defensive rebounds. Now, on offense, he's not getting anything close to the bucket because they have him playing on the three-point line, and it is up to him to make cuts to the basket, which he needs to do. I don't think he understands that. I think he needs to be coached better. 
And it's up to the coaches to get him involved. And so, you know, when I, when I see this, it's just, it's frustrating. But as far as that goes, um, you know, if, if game six, Tim Hardaway can shoot 50%, if he can make five of 10, um, maybe six of 10, uh, six of 12, and, you know, Maxi can hit a couple more. Dorian Finney-Smith can hit one or two more. I, I think the Mavericks can win. I, I think if Mavericks go into that game with Powell starting instead of Boban and Maxi and Collie Stein playing instead of Boban and Luka being healthy, taking smarter shots, taking it to the baskets... Um, Brunson and Richardson were two other guys who really struggled. Brunson really struggled this game. Um, I, I don't know what it was about it, but he really struggled. Josh Richardson was another one who was those two guys. Like, if you look at the plus minus, uh, you know Willie Collins time was zero, but the only minuses out there were Boban, Brunson, and Richardson. And when when Brunson came in. Um, he just, I don't know what it is. He, I think he looks more to score. I think he thinks he has to score. And he's not really looking to pass. He had zero assists. He's not looking to pass. And I think the Clippers know that. Um, Brunson is not a high assist guy. He, he's basically looking to take it to the basket. And he's not particularly big, so you can go over and block his shot. And I, I think if Brunson would pass the ball more, get his players involved, and get, these guys got to cut to the rim too. When Brunson's going to the rim, these guys have kind of cut to the basket and Brunson's got to find him. But sometimes Brunson, I call him the Brunson blinders. Brunson will get blinders on and he won't see the open guy. He's going to the rim and the Clippers know it. And they just... They just shut it down, and Brunson struggles. Um, Richardson, I, I think Richardson's struggling because he's not getting any kind of rhythm. Richardson's minutes were, you know, he was a starter, and I think when he was starting, he played a lot better. Um, honestly, I, I know it's against everything people want, but I liked it when Tim Hardaway came off the bench um, because I thought... Tim Hardaway helped Brunson um, because Tim Hardaway was a guy who could help score while Brunson was out there, you know, running the second unit. And I feel like with Luca out there in the first unit, you don't need Tim Hardaway out there at the beginning of the games to, you know, help Dallas's offense. I think, you know, with, with Luca and Porzingis, I think Dallas should have enough offense out on the floor to start the game. It's just when when the second unit comes in, your second units are Brunson and Richardson, and those guys aren't necessarily scores. You know, Willie Colley-Stein will come in at second unit minute. And so when your second unit's coming in, you don't have a lot of scores out there at this point. And so they're not scoring the ball. You know, Luca, I guess scored or assisted on 31 of 37 of the field goals that the Mavs had. And that 
that's a great stat for Luca, but it's a bad stat for his teammates because it's like nobody else is able to initiate the offense. They they've got to figure out a way to not rely so much on Luca and you know against the Clippers maybe they get away with it, maybe they win the series. I just if for whatever reason if they win the series and they go against Utah, I just don't think they can do the same thing against Utah. Utah's a much better team. I don't think the Clippers can beat Utah. I think I think Utah will handle the Clippers no problem. I think the Clippers maybe win one or two games against Utah. But I just don't think the way the Mavericks are running their offense now, they can beat Utah if they get there. And I, I just I hope I wish the coaching staff I one that's one thing I miss. I miss Silas, Paul Silas, the he was the offensive coach last year. Um he, you know, went to Houston and I you know, he deserved a head coaching job and I just wish I wish he would have stayed, you know, for my own selfish reasons. You know, it's like I thought he did a fantastic job with the Mavs offense last year. I thought the offense ran smoother, and last year I just felt like the reason they lost to the Clippers was because for one, the Clippers to me had a better team last year, and for two, I thought the Mavericks didn't have a good as team as they had this year. I. I you know, Seth Curry did have a good game with Philly yesterday. I get that. But Seth Curry could not cover Lou Williams. And that was a problem. And so I just feel like when, when they brought in Richardson, they brought in a guy who could defend. And the funny thing is, is the Clippers sent Lou Williams packing. So for as far as the Mavs-Lakers series, um, I guess that's all I got. Um when it comes to these other series, there's two tonight that are still going. Portland-Denver. Um, Denver's up 3-2. Uh, this series is crazy. I couldn't even tell you who's going to win it. Um, I like. I think both teams have their own special talents, but both teams also have their own faults. Um as far as Portland goes, I feel like all they have is Lillard. They remind me a lot of the Mavs. Uh, C.J. McCollum does show up more than Porzingis does. C.J. is capable of putting up 40. I don't think Porzingis can, especially in the offense the Mavs run. McCollum is better at scoring. Um, I think I think the, the Portland has more talent. Lillard's a better score, obviously, I think, than Luka. But Luka does a lot better job in getting his teammates involved. Um, you know, Lillard's shooting is incredible, but I feel like Luka does, you know, I don't see a lot of games where Lillard has 14 assists. I, I just, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But I just think, I think Luka does a better job getting his teammates involved over Lillard. And I think that's the one reason, you know, Dallas may be a better team than Portland. But I think Portland has more talent than Dallas. Um, Denver, you know, they're missing Murray. Uh, when they're getting, you know, they're getting a lot of scoring from, or they're counting on getting scoring from Austin Rivers and uh, what's his name, Morris, I think his name is. I, I, I don't quite remember all their guys, but it's... Monte Morris is maybe his name. But 
Let's look real quick. I'll look real quick because I don't want to be wrong about that. Uh, yeah, Monte Morris. They're getting a lot of, you know, they're relying on a lot of scoring from Monte Morris and Austin Rivers. They did really good last game. Um, I think Rivers had a bunch of points, like 34, something like that, something crazy. So they did do better, and that's why Denver won. It was an exciting game. I actually watched it, the end of it. Especially, you know, I saw Lillard hit those shots, and I thought the officiating in that the end of the game was awful. Um, Lillard getting that foul, I, to me, the the foul they called on Austin Rivers when he supposedly fouled Lillard, that that much contact, I would love for Luca to have that little of contact on every play. Luca gets twice to five times that contact on every play and doesn't get the foul call. And to see that foul call on Austin Rivers, I thought was atrocious. I thought for sure somebody had money on that game. And I, I it was just very frustrating for me to see um, being a Mavs fan and how, how Luca's allowed to be pushed around. But the second, you know, somebody lays the smallest finger on Lillard they called the foul and you know it gave Portland another chance at that three point you know at the shot to tie it and Lillard did hit it to his credit he made the second one he missed the first one that they called the foul and then he you know he did it again in the first overtime and then Denver put it away in the second so I you know I as far as team wise I think the Nuggets are a better team but I just think that I think one through seven, the Nuggets have a better team. But I think when you look at the top three or four guys, I think for you know both teams, I think Portland has you know the more talent, and it's just it's kind of a weird series. I could see it going seven, um, and the winner of that series would face Phoenix Lakers. Now that game is tonight. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea if Davis is playing. I, I haven't seen anything on it. I, I don't think they have to say till. I think they're supposedly already supposed to put in an injury report by now because I'm at uh, 1 o'clock Central Time and here in America for those who are listening. Um, but I, I haven't seen anything to see if Davis is playing. You know, I could look real fast to see if anybody has anything on it, because I think they have to submit an injury report by now. I could be wrong. But um, I, I, if Davis doesn't play, I think uh, I think Phoenix has a chance to win this. I, I think Davis, obviously, is... Davis is the Lakers' second-best player. And if he's not, like... If Davis isn't on the floor, they re- they have to rely on some of these other guys to win them the game, and I, I just don't think they can do it. Um, I-, I don't think these these guys that uh, the Lakers are putting out there, like Kuzma's and even Schroeder, I-, I just don't think those guys can beat the Suns. Now, once Davis is in there, that's a different story. And I still don't see anything, just trying to scroll through. But if Davis plays tonight, I think the Lakers can win. Um, And the Lakers could probably go back to Phoenix and win. But if Davis doesn't play tonight, 
Or if he does play and he's only at like 50%, the Suns could win that series. Um, I, I will say as a Mavs fan, I'm kind of rooting for the Suns because I'm kind of, you know, to me it's like being a Mavs fan, I'm kind of an anti-Laker fan. But I, I just, I, I kind of like some of the Suns players, you know, I, and I'm interested to, I like to see... You know, like Booker has his first playoff experience. He's been in the league a long time, I feel like, and it's his first playoff experience, and he's doing pretty good. Um, but I don't know. I just I'd like to see him. I'd like to see Phoenix win that series, and uh, we'll see tonight. They play at nine thirty. Uh, the other, as far as like when you look at some of the other series, uh, well, let's see the. Utah took care of Memphis last night. Uh, we pretty much saw that one coming. The fact that Memphis won one game is great. Uh, I know people don't like moral victories or whatever, but that team is so young. I, I think they overachieved. The fact that they were, you know, the eighth seed or, you know, made it to the eighth seed and made it to the playoffs, I think is a huge achievement. Um, they They obviously have a lot of growing to do. You know, between especially with Jaw and you know, Jaron Jackson is a really young player. He was the youngest player I think in the draft that year, three years ago. So he could still only be like twenty twenty one or something like that. So Memphis still has a really young team. They're still growing, and I did not anticipate them winning one game, but they did. That was great for them. Uh, but I knew Utah would take care of them. So far, obviously, they're the only team that's uh, won their series in the West. The other three series are still going on. In the Eastern Conference, it's all set, second round. Um, Philly took care of Washington. Um, the big big story with that is Embiid has the slight tear in his meniscus, which is kind of big news for Philly. You know, they could beat Washington without him, um, like they did in you know Game 5. In Game 4... You know, it was when Embiid got hurt and Washington was able to win that game. But I think, you know, Philly was basically game planning with Embiid in that game four and he was out and then they didn't have. But going into game five, they knew he wasn't going to play. They were ready. They had a game plan and they took care of business. Um, so now they're going to face Atlanta. Um, I thought Atlanta had so much more talent than New York. Uh, just one through eight, one through nine players. They're just the talent level was just to me not even close. How New York even got the fourth seed, I have no idea. Uh, the Atlanta Philly series to me will be very interesting because of Embiid's injury. If if Embiid can play, I don't know how healthy he's gonna be. I was thinking with a healthy Embiid, Atlanta still had a chance. I didn't think it was going to be a walk in the park the way Atlanta has been playing. But if Embiid is not healthy or misses games, I think Atlanta could win this. You could see the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, which would be an incredible accomplishment for Nate McMillan, who I always thought was a great coach, who I always thought got the shaft. And I, I just... You know, Nate McMillan, I've said it before, I thought, you know, 
the only reason he's gotten fired is because he didn't have all-world talent on his teams, and he couldn't win playoff series because the other teams always had better players. So, you know, he's finally on a team that's got a ton of talent, and the, the, the front office, I thought, did a fantastic job. A lot of people criticize the Gallinari deal. He probably does make too much for his age, but... Gallinari is a crafty veteran. He really is. Gallinari at one point I thought was going to be an all-star, but his injuries kind of kept him limited. And now that he's gotten a little bit older, he's not the player he used to be, but he still has that craftiness and he could still shoot the ball. Um, Bogdanovich is – I've always wanted Bogdanovich on this Mavs team. They had a chance, but they – that's another story I've talked about. They punted. You know, DeAndre Hunter I thought was a great draft pick. Um, you know, he, he was hurt all year, so he's finally, you know, getting a chance to get back into play in shape. Uh, you know, Trey Young obviously is on that team. Clint Capella is a great fit for that team. Herter is a fantastic shooter. Um, even Lou Williams is capable of going in, scoring 10 points in a row, even if he doesn't. You know, even, you know, a lot of people don't like Lou because he can't defend. Which is fine if you if you need a guy to come in and score 10 straight points. You don't really need a hardcore defender at that point. You need a guy to come in and score. And so Lou Williams does, you know, offer that. And so, I you know, they have a few other guys they do play. And like I said, I, I think Atlanta just has an incredibly talented team. And I, I think they can beat. I, I think they have a chance against Philly. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm just saying I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Like if if this came out, Atlanta wins the series four to two. I, I'm not going to be shocked. I know there's going to be a lot of writing about how it's a shocking upset, but I don't think it is. I think Atlanta has more talent than people get. So um, I think that'll be an exciting series. Obviously, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. It's I, I don't even know what to think about that. I. I think that's going to be one of the best series of this entire playoffs. Um, it is probably just going to be as good as the finals. Who It'll probably be better than the finals, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I'm, I just can't wait to see. I wish this wasn't the second round. I wish this could have been like an Eastern Conference Finals series. But the way that you know they ended up in the standings... Uh, it's just, you know, this is what it is. But I think this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series could go all seven. Uh, Brooklyn has no size. I'm eager to see how that plays out. You know, Durant's going to have to cover Giannis. I, I'm curious to see how that goes in a seven-game series. Uh, Brooklyn has the three guys who can pretty much get their shot at any moment. However... Milwaukee has one of the best defenses in the entire NBA. You know, what's Drew Holiday going to look like? You know, Drew Holiday's a fantastic defender. Who's he going to guard? Is he going to guard Harden? Is he going to guard Kyrie? And then there's Middleton, who's a pretty good defender in himself. It's, you know, who's he going to guard? And then the other guys for Brooklyn, you know, they, they don't have a ton of depth. You know, I believe DeAndre Jordan has the foot injury. I don't know if he's going to play at all. You know, there's Jeff Green. I, I I believe I saw him sitting out 
one or two games last series, but I could be wrong. But I, I just I can't wait to see this series. It starts um, the 5th, which is Saturday. So that, that should be really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And whoever wins whether it's Brooklyn or Milwaukee, I think that's going to be the team in the finals for the East. I believe one of these two teams, I, I believe they're more talented than Philly and Atlanta, both of them. So that's why I think this series is so exciting and important because I believe the winner of this series goes on to the finals. Um, and I believe both teams are capable of winning the finals. I believe both teams are just as good, if not better, than... You know these Eastern Conf- the Western Conference teams. You know what's funny is uh, to, not to get too much off topic, but LeBron said he's won two of the hardest titles in NBA history, which I think is kind of garbage. I I think the NBA throwing them throwing them a bone in the 2016 where they suspended Draymond and stuff like that. That that's not hard. Uh, but the he thinks the one in the bubble last year was a hard to me that Miami team that played in the bubble last year I just think they got hot at the right time but to me that Miami team is one of the three worst finals teams in the last 40 years um, the 07 Cavs I brought them up earlier I thought they were the worst finals team in the last 40 years um to me there's so many teams out there that didn't even make the finals that could have just destroyed that Cavs team but the same thing with that Miami team last year. They just they got a couple guys who couldn't miss, and that's what it was. And this playoffs rolled around, and they're not hitting at the same percentage as they were last year, and they got swept. Because I just don't think they were that good of a team. I thought they were a really bad team last year. You know, the bubble was a odd experiment that kind of worked. They were able to finish the season, but there was no home court, and there was no traveling, and there it was just everybody was staying at the same place, and it was some guys did well in the bubble, some guys didn't, you know, and it's it's to me that Miami team was probably the worst, second worst finals team. The '99 Knicks were an eighth seed. Uh, you know, they had some good players, but to me, they just weren't that good of a team. I know the 99 season was an anomaly. That's why, that's kind of why they made it. That's another, it's kind of ironic that it's like that because in the 99 season, they had the lockout and there was only 50 games and the Knicks ended up as the eighth seed. And it was, there were so few games that you just didn't know how good the Knicks really were. Now, the Knicks were probably better than eighth seed. I don't know. But I just didn't think that Knicks team was a very good finals team. I thought they're probably the third worst finals team if, if I were going to rank them. You know, over going over since, I think it's 1980. Going back to 1980, I, those are to me the three worst teams is the 07 Cavs, last year's Heat, and the 99 Knicks. So I just that Miami team was bad. So I w- it was good to see Milwaukee sweep them. And I, like I said, I, I think these Eastern Conference teams, the Brooklyn and Milwaukee, are better than the Western Conference teams. 
And I just don't think it's going to be that easy of a finals for the West, no matter who it is, whether it's Utah, whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers. Um, there's still so many teams. Everybody, the only team eliminated is Memphis. So I just think Milwaukee and Brooklyn are the two, to me, most consistent going right now. So it'll be interesting. Um, so the Mavs do play Friday. I'll try and do a pod on Saturday. Um, I probably will for a post game. Um, we'll see if it's a series winning pod or a you know post game pre game for game seven on Sunday because I believe if they do have to play a game seven, it'll be Sunday. But uh, yeah, the game is Friday. Hopefully they can get a win. Hopefully Powell starts. Hopefully Boban doesn't play. Hopefully they try and get Porzingis involved. A bunch of hope going my way, but I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, if you would like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the Mavs Outsider. Um, if you could rate and review the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. And until next time, we'll see you later.